Hey, I'm Alan M. And I'm Sarah Griffin. <laughs> and this is Juvenalia, a podcast where we talk to an interesting person about a bit of pop culture that was important to them when they were young. Our guest today is stand-up Eve O'Connor. You're here to talk to us about Josie and the Pussycats. Very exciting. Weirdly, on the exact same day in the exact same studio where Sentimental Garbage are recording, or have recorded their Josie and the Pussycats episode. Yeah, so there is talk in the air. Poor Cassie yeah. has listened to an hour already of people unpacking Josie and the Pussycats, and unfortunately, you're going to have to listen to it again. <laughs> We're going to get into it. Uh, I only watched this for the first time last night. Me too. So, Aoife, bring us through. Tell oh us all about it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Welcome in to <laughs> Josie and the Pussycats. Um, okay, so Josie and the Pussycats. Flashback 2002, it was released. It didn't do very well. <laughs> That's, these are common facts. Uh, <laughs> this is knowledge. Uh, it did so badly that it was available for 50 cent in the local uh, Euro shop in Remelton, the town that I grew up in, hey. <laughs> in Donegal. And we said, yes, please, I'll have a bit of that. And brought it home uh, at like whatever, 10 years old and watched the shit out of it for the next however many years. And it instantly became like my favorite film in the world. And uh completely influenced everything I do and talk about all the time. So that is <laughs> Josie and the Pussycats, the story of three beautiful friends who make a band and make beautiful music together. And come face to face with the great and horrifying world of corporate music, mm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Very similar to Wayne's World, actually, in a lot of ways. Wow, it is echoes, sort of like the, a lot of the, echoes the, Wayne's the, world. The, little si- the little sister the of Wayne's World. The scrappy stuff getting subsumed by corporations and then fighting back against it yeah and I think the the look of it and the roaring aesthetic of it it is very much of its time it's Mm -hmm. very 2001 Um, yes late 2001 but then 2002 over here I would say yeah it is stone cold millennium looking oh yeah like crop tops like you've seen you see every belly button in this movie (laughs) nobody has an invisible belly button like everyone's got a visible belly button and like extensions and like bad wigs and some good wigs and like (laughs) like just all of it the aesthetic of the whole thing is it's amazing and that that look is kind of coming back into style now among gen z which is sort of jarring in some ways watching it last night i was like they're trying to make us dress like this. No, not me. But they're trying to <laughs> trying to bring this look back, which I guess means that it was a long time ago, which I suppose it was. We're on the, the yeah, the peak of the twenty year cycle. Woof. Oh yeah. my gosh. Woof. Woof. Yeah. <laughs> like but in but in lots of ways it was super ahead of its time, right? Yeah, I think so. Mm. Yeah, yeah. People really latched onto it, I think, um, quietly. And then in the last like 10 years or so I think it's starting to become more commonly like hey do you like Josie and the Pussycats Mm -hmm. I really like it too (laughs) and then um, they've been doing like a 20 year reunion tour like they got the band back together so a different like the actual actors in the movie do play all the instruments and they all learned them but uh, I thought it was was Letters from Cleo but like because it has that sort of energy so the singer from Letters from Cleo is Josie's voice but they Ah. all all learned to play the songs oh cool so which way Rosario Dawson looks like a natural bass player because she's playing the bass. She's playing the bass. The bass. Yeah. But she's yeah, playing yeah. it well. She has like she's playing it in a way of someone who was comfortable with the bass and knows the songs and isn't like the addicted to love video models. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. She's not holding she, it up at a weird angle. Yeah, she's, she's someone who just knows where her fingers are supposed to be yeah, in the yeah. song. Yeah, that's yeah. very casual with it. And Tara Reid too. Tara yeah. Reid, who I think oh, just Tara does not Reed. get enough love, is in there drumming her heart out, she's which I love. Time. You know, she's a she is a fantastic, fantastic character. She sort of occupies that like. Orla from Dairy Girls, yeah. like yeah. resident space cadet vibe, you mm-hmm. know, and they, I think they balance out the characters really nicely, you know, that you have these three really different gals who all have the same hopeful aspiration coming out of 
the small town of Riverdale. Yeah. Which is uh, also <laughs> has gathered dissonance as time has come along, you know? Totally. Yeah, yeah. Because there's the very cool and sexy new Josie and the Pussycats <laughs> yeah. who live in Riverdale, <laughs> which is a very different thing. Um, but I'm very much clinging on to my, like, Rachel Lee uh, cook, like, swishy hair, like, all of this. I think I they're, like, of the three, like, live, a- oh, well, not live action, the three iterations. So there's the 70s cartoon version, which mm-hmm. was kind of a poppy soul version, I guess, would be yeah. like a funk soul version. And there's this power punk or pop punk version with immaculate songs mm-hmm. and then the Riverdale series Just the Pussycats it's all just kind of like the, the mono genre cover versions mm. it just sounds like any other kind of song they don't they don't have original songs I think in Riverdale okay yeah, yeah. mad like, yeah. You, don't, you mean you don't have the song Three Small Words in Riverdale yeah. oh. <laughs> it's the best we were looking last night that the guy from Fountains of Wayne wrote a bunch of the songs didn't he yeah so half the album was produced by Adam Seisinger from Fountains of Wayne, who died in 2020 from COVID, sadly. And he also did Crazy Ex-Girlfriend music. Mm. Oh, wow. And he also wrote That Thing You Do from The Thing You Do. Oh. And then the other half was done by Babyface. And then they had a whole slate of, um, like, perp, like alt-pop and pop-punk people in writing them, like Adam Duritz from The Counting Crows co-wrote several of the songs. Wow. Uh, the woman from Letters and Cleo, um, Janet Whedon from, is it Janet Whedon from The Go-Go's is in there as well. Amazing. Like, just so it was really like an all star. It's like the equivalent of like getting back and broken social Seal from Scott Pilgrim with Nigel mm. Godrich. It's that getting everyone the, into this the power punk version of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Madness. Some, songs are great though. <laughs> so watching totally. it when you were growing up, what what mm. was it about it that brought you into it? Like, was it the music or was it the, the yeah? Because those details like... are appealing to people in their thirties. Like, yeah, what's, what's yeah. a ten year old getting out of what's it? A yeah, yeah, yeah. Out of it. Um, a ten year old Aoife was um. Actually, like, joyfully surprised to see Parker Posey. I loved Parker Posey when I was 10. Already? Yeah. yeah. My, my parents are very, uh, they love their movies. And so yeah. they were like, you're going to watch, you know, all these Christopher Guest movies. Um, and oh, so I okay, loved yeah. Parker Posey from those movies mm. um, and as, like, an improviser comedy person. Um, and, uh, and then she popped up in this and I was like, oh, my God, it's Parker Posey. <laughs> and I think, actually, maybe that was the initial appeal was watching it and seeing all these people like there's so many people in yeah. it so just seeing all these faces and being like oh my god I can't believe we found this and you know here's Seth Green um, here's that guy from the Garfield movie which is how I knew him at the time I actually <laughs> don't know his name that actor who is in Du Jour um, he's he's maybe Matt something he's also in Rat Race which was uh, oh, a yeah. similar movie at the time uh, Brett Lemire yes from, yeah, yeah. Uh, Travis from Clueless Yes, yes, that is him. There we go. Yeah. I have a hundred <laughs> things for him. Like here's and all Eugene the unpopular Levy's in there music. Eugene well. Levy's yeah. just in there for the just casually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hi, I'm Eugene Levy. You know, like unbelievable <laughs> as himself. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> and like uh, Alan Cumming, of course. you know, who just you know, you know, you're uh, gonna have a good time when Alan Cumming shows up. I'm just gonna reserve. I'm reserving my commentary. I'm just. Okay. I'm. I'm gonna just you're ready like you're I, I i i if i start talking about him i'm just gonna say something we're gonna have to take out we so will, we'll take it like, to the coming corner later. yeah definitely yeah. some um, club coming like yeah, no way I, I, club coming i yeah, yeah. love him like i yeah i'm obsessed with him amazing so uh yeah i like i have a very particular degree of brain rot which is just like just fully amazing. hypnotized by him don't know why amazing like, just adore him and he's so fully committed to the absurdity of this uh, unflinchingly like, mm. and the, playing this mega villain and is matched perfectly by Parker Posey. They have like, such a good thing. Oh, yeah. like, they're totally. cartoonish. Like they're yeah. so, and they're playing at the same tone. Yeah. So the more absurd they are is balanced by each other's kind of level of energy. It's, yeah. it's, it's fantastic, you know. And that kind of silliness is so, it's, 
everyone playing at that kind of silliness, except the actors who are playing Josie and the Pussycats themselves, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it, it allows different things to happen. One thing I, I kind of noticed or one thing that kept coming back to me when I was watching it was like, this is a cousin of Austin Powers. It lives with Spice World and Austin Powers and Drop Dead Gorgeous. It's Yeah, a like little... high camp, I yeah. think. Yeah. That, I think that was kind of, as a kid, my favorite kind of movie. Like mm-hmm. high but camp, also, silly romp. Like, but also yeah. everyone kind of is so fully committed to how the romp is playing out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That it, more things can happen mm. because everyone is playing at the same level of... Um, our former guest Cardi Minardo said a really interesting thing in one of their one of Rutel's Magic's behind the scenes podcasts about characters because they do characters for one shot sometimes and she's like there's certain characters you start playing them you're like I cannot sustain this for very long I can do this very very high concept character for maybe 20 minutes and that's why Parker Posey and Alan Cumming works they're like we can do this for this film mm. and that's it yeah. as, as a, a villain and as a side character you cannot lead a film with this kind of character with this energy but Parker Posey just eats every scene yeah. she is incredible completely. to watch completely there's yeah. the scene where and it's the scene that is completely burnt into my head and I think of it every single time I go down the stairs is when she's <laughs> um, coming down the stairs at the party oh and she does like this really big va va jazzy version <laughs> yeah. of like why did you do what you do and so I really mean it. every single time I go down the stairs I'm like what did you do what you do like it's just my favourite thing and she just totally owns it and then like five minutes later she pulls them all into her like weird, weird chain Teenage yeah. chamber and it's like oh my god like tell me about the boys that you like or like should I have a Pringle mm, oh no I should <laughs> oh, like, like looking at it on the, it's a, and they hold that silence for yeah. long enough as well it's so strange like because I guess it's very hard to pull a like an emotional heart out of this film which is widely about commercialism and selling shit mm. but they do at a couple of instances try to make this about belonging and you yeah. know being accepted and the, the extent to which evil executives will go to belong and they can you know they, they commit to those moments for sure but mm. the the actual real kind of i guess power of the story and initially you don't notice it happening until you can't stop noticing it happening is all the fucking products all mm. the products and actually i've run into i've run into problems selling this movie to other people because i find that we're watching it and people will be like oh there's so much product placement in this and i'm like no 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 that's good that you're noticing yeah. it's really important <laughs> that's the whole movie none of them paid for it it's really important it's good no- yeah, to know exactly. that yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah no none of these people are paying to be here like this is all part of the plot stick with it i swear also, it'll most of them don't really exist anymore in any real like kodak are all over it kodak. sega are all over it sega <laughs> yeah. yeah the target plane yeah. Like because I thought, and when when you when you begin on the outset of it, like uh, when Dujour are kind of the big band that Alan Cumming, the evil manager, is trying to kind of mm-hmm. Wesley. ring Wesley or Wyatt, step is on me, Wyatt. step on me, Wyatt. Yeah. Like, um, he's trying to ring as much capital out of this boy band as he can. Like, you think it's a, if you think it's a one-time gag that you get on the plane and mm. it's a target plane. Mm-hmm. Oh, it sure isn't. Yeah. Uh-uh. And, <laughs> and then you, you notice again that they're standing in front of, the, the pussycats are standing in front of a giant wall with Coca-Cola written on it. Mm-hmm. And then little by little, you realize that the entire sets and props and everything is really densely populated by brands in a way that feels like... It's funny at first. It gets funnier, and then it kind of gets surreal. Mm. Like it's it's implemented in a way that is really um really sophisticated. Totally, yeah. Like the McDonald's shower. And yeah. Setup. Okay. Okay. <laughs> like the, the French fries. Yeah. The yeah. sponge. The French fries sponge. I was like, yes, that is ex- exquisite. It's so funny. Yeah. You know? like, but because I think it's it's funny because it's in 
like the, what, like one of the most kind of heartrending scenes is like when Rosario Dawson like because you know some, it's a story about a band right mm. and bands falling in together and out together and like the power of friendship and the pussycats themselves being kind of caught up in this journey towards fame and Rosario Dawson plays Vanessa Valerie, Valerie. Yeah. and she's worried that you know Josie has gotten her head turned by fame and that it's Josie and the pussycats instead of mm. Valerie and the pussycats <laughs> and she's having this very serious like long night of the soul in a target bedroom cuddling a target dog yeah and it that silliness just flat out under like it, it plays with the seriousness of any mm. moments they're trying to have nobody ever refers to it in the film i think if yeah. they did it would ruin it yeah yeah they 100%. don't acknowledge it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. it's a uh, it's fantastic like it's kind of ballsy yeah mm. totally yeah. to be like look we're gonna do this in a big way yeah. you know mm. we're gonna go for it and then as well to be like making the commentary it's making about uh, commercialism and you know all of these things like the whole you know uh, orange is the new pig uh, I gotta buy some Pepsi you know like all <laughs> these people just how, how it's all being used to brainwash people but in the end like really all, the whole purpose of all of the brainwashing and everything is just because someone wants to be liked and accepted you know like it's it's all these they find a way to not make it like you see guys the bad guy in the end was uh, capitalism and you know all these things the bad guy is the broken people behind capitalism exactly misguided. And it kind of makes you go like oh capitalists <laughs> like people too wow <laughs> you just don't know what they're dealing with we have no idea yeah there's like so many layers so many layers to this movie I read an interview with Mitski where she was talking about the film. No way. Oh, and, I love that. And she was like, yeah, once you get into the music industry, you realise everybody with power in the music industry are these nerds who just really want you to like them. Justin Pussycat is the most accurate film about the music industry, even though it is not accurate in any way whatsoever, <laughs> essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's this like huge kind of like, oh, I wouldn't say huge sorrow, but there is this like people get super glamoured, you mm-hmm. know, by it. Because like, it is fancy. And that aesthetic, that look of things, that 2001 look of things is so slick and so expensive looking. Mm. You know, things don't really look like that anymore. Rooms don't look like that anymore. Um, it's because the music industry doesn't have that much money anymore. Because yeah. that was, weirdly, 2001 was the peak of CD sales before streaming oh, wow. happened. That's so it's, wild. it's the era, era of like the big, like, um, was it Dave, Le- Dave LaChapelle is the director? those big like Puff Daddy videos and stuff and the yeah. fisheye lenses it's co-opting all of that to, so you're completely in that world it, nothing feels off about that world because you're seeing it's already if you watch MTV in any kind of capacity in that era yeah, that's what you're seeing there. all the yeah. time anyway that fisheye thing is really funny because they do use the fisheye a fair bit in the yeah, film yeah. as well yeah. so much like there's <laughs> that crazy bit where they have the three girls who come up to them outside and they're like hey pussy guys what are you freaking doing that's how you play the gig and you get no money <laughs> and then they appear again later on through this bizarre fisheye lens they look so crazy and they're all dressed as like Josie and the pussycats <laughs> and then I just love that moment of like who are these people we know these people like, <laughs> you don't like us it's just warped us. Yeah, yeah yeah crazy um, tidbit about those actors who play those three um, characters who are like not really listed, you know, they're not mm. characters, but um, one of them is one of the Sasuke sisters. Do you know the Sasuke sisters? No, no. Oh, I'm obsessed with the Sasuke. So this is like a <laughs> crazy facts, revelation. Yeah. I'll give you the facts. Okay, the Sasuke sisters are two, they're twin um, horror movie directors. They make these like really kind of B movie, like uh, low budget slasher movies now. They, they have this movie called American Mary. Um, and the star of the movie, American Mary who's like about a uh, kind of plastic surgeon who does crazy surgeries a walk could go wrong um, she 
is also in Josie and the Pussycats somewhere and they met on the set of Josie and wow. the Pussycats and it came around then like whatever 15 years later that they made this like kind of cult uh, horror movie together and it's like I was reading about it because I was just a bit obsessed with it for a little while and like what is this film and who are these Saskas <laughs> um, and uh, and that was that was the deal they were like yeah we met on the set of Josie and the Pussycats and I immediately like swished back in my brain to like they're the three they're the, they're the, they're the girls they're the fisheye girls <laughs> like that's so amazing. like it's just you know it's it blossomed these uh, movies to come for years you know that's me- and again it is impo- it is crucially the sort of progeny of Riverdale as well mm. because it's part of this which I guess is sort of unknown to Irish teens and Irish people if you're an Irish person who was super into the Archie comics contact us <laughs> who are you uh, this is because that's something that I knew literally nothing about until I moved to the states and then it's yeah. sort of this catch. Mm. It's 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 this obvious part of culture. It was that referenced in the have. Simpsons once. That's kind of how mm. I knew it. Yeah. But it's as obvious over there as like something like Snoopy. Even mm. it's just like a pop culture thing. Totally. So there's one gag. So they have a director. So so the the band, the Pussycats, have a manager, like a hometown manager, who appears with his sister continually. And at one point, a car- somebody asks her directly, "Why are you here?" And she's like, oh, "I was in the comics." And she just says <laughs> it. She just straight up says it. So good. It. So you have this like pre-existing cast with a pre-existing set of rules and like a tangible world that you're kind of stepping into already which is nice which is why everything Mm. feels kind of comfortable you know Mm. but uh now that we live in a world where Riverdale has kind of re-emerged into the media landscape it's like oh shit yeah that was like in the distant past Josie and the Pussycats was like roaring up into the future and now we have them all over again like I thought some of the details of it were really oddly kind of predictive like the big sequence at the end where the great parker posey's big evil plan is to uh hypnotize the nation of youths into compliance and product consumption via subliminal messages in the music Mm -hmm. and the way that they're going to achieve this is that everyone who attends the big josie and the pussycats concert has to wear these cat ears these metal cat ears so they could tune into the concert and i was just like I fully let somebody put something on my wrist at a Taylor Swift gig. You know? <laughs> like, I've done that. Yeah, you know? Totally. It's pretty close to things that are kind of happening, I think, at the moment, in a way that it doesn't... It was intent, It was intending to satire things at the time, but it wasn't intending to extremely predict how people would buy and sell things 20 years later. Yeah. You know? Or would participate in music wild when you think about it they just saw it coming but I feel like the yeah like I can totally relate that feeling of going to a gig and yeah you gotta put on that wristband or you gotta you you gotta wear this special thing because you're going to this gig but tune in exclusively yeah I worked for a music festival for a while where you had to pay for everything with your magic wristband like there's no currency you just had a wristband that you put your credit card details into and you bopped it off things to pay for things oh my god that's dangerous I feel like oh yeah yeah. they had currency so the the, the Super Mario um, theme park in Tokyo you don't have well you think you do use currency but you have a wristband that you bop off things like that that Mm. whole wearable tech element of it I find it a little dystopian mm. you know I can understand that there's sort of an illusion of uh, ease about it or like a, here's a cool thing that you can have but I'm also like oh, no, that's a bit a little bit spacey because the aesthetic of this film is really futurist right everything mm. is kind of space yeah. like like the deep future as as acted out in like the millennium you know so it's got a very spacey kind of look to it or something which totally, is yeah. totally going to glamour teenagers at the time mm. you know what i mean because it does look really futuristic flip phones everywhere lots of really 
good flippy phones. But um, I don't know. It made me think of it made me think a little bit of how TikTok works and about how things kind of are poured down into us now without us even really kind of realizing. I don't know. Instagram ads are weird. Yeah. No. They got to know me way too well over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where it was like, I do want like a, a make my own marimba kit at home. You know, <laughs> you're right. Yeah. Correct. You make your own marimba and kits are the new bread makers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were, were praying, praying softly on me. Yeah. So did you ever, were you ever in a band as a teenager yourself? Were there, was oh, there yeah. ever like an Aoife and the Pussycats? Like what was the... There sure was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I was a little music kid um, for sure. And I um, was definitely inspired by this and that I always really wanted to be a drummer. I never was a drummer, but I always was like, I really want to be Tara Reid and Josie mm-hmm. and the Pussycats. You know? And I really like that energy of like the spacey, uh, cool drummer in the background. Um, but I ended up, I was in a couple of bands as a teenager um, as like the guitarist over to the side. And then sometimes I'd step in and I'd do some vocals, but I was in like the undecided that was like one of my cool teenage bands that's a great name um, yeah, it was yeah. pretty good and then there was um uh kyle o'neill and the pocket notes um great. i was I, that's where i felt i had my most josie and the pussycats moment where i was really like, band. Yeah, yeah, yeah i was really like i'm a pocket note is that what i am to you <laughs> okay um, so it was just very like i think i i totally um i loved that idea of like being in a in a band i don't think i was ever in the right one but um i think to this day i'm still like maybe but like one of the worst and this is criminal something criminal i did as a a teenager um is that i would uh, i was also a bit of a theater kid um, and i would go to like theater rehearsals or whatever drama classes and sit down at the piano and like play um pretend to be nice from this and be like listen up everyone i've written a song criminal because I knew no one had seen it like nobody knew this film at all and like I think the most that people would know it is that if they came over to my house and they watched it like, yeah because I had the dvd um but other than that like no one had it you know so it was very I kind of owned this thing that I was like well nobody knows that I didn't write this song and nobody can like figure out if I you know whatever but I mean obviously it was glaringly obvious because I didn't write songs like it wasn't something I was doing all the time but so for me to show up and be like I just have this little ditty I'm gonna run in the back of my head. I'm just gonna see what happens if I put it on the keys. And it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was bad. Now that I think about it, I'm like, I wonder how many people out there come to this movie and, and are like, hold on, wait a second, <laughs> hold on, Eva. Yeah, that wasn't you. Like the, I think that's a, something that was really and has been kind of lost about that time is that when you have a DVD of something like that that you pick up in like, you know, the fifty cent section, mm. or it's given to you as a gift or something that it really feels like yours totally you know yeah. and you get to show it to other people in this very kind of ritualistic like come to my house and watch my movie yeah you this have is my this. movie <laughs> you know and there's a lot of stakes in it you know and um i don't i don't know if that's been lost because we all watch everything at the same time now i think it has because like it's we've talked before about like your personal canon which is mm. back then was based on what you could Get yeah. yeah, which is why for some reason I think of the Good Girl with Jennifer Aniston and Jake Gyllenhaal as like one of the best indie films of all time because I had it on DVD and I've <laughs> seen it four times. Yeah, and so that familiarity with it, but like it's fine. Yeah, you know, yeah. but it was mine. It was so, yours. Yeah, yeah, totally. I love that. I think I, I had that a lot when I was a teenager and, and a kid, especially like I just mm-hmm. I loved. I loved having those movies that were mine. And mm-hmm. I think that this this movie completely is, that's how I feel about it. That I'm still a bit like when I meet other people who've seen it or who know it, I get so excited because it's like, 
oh my God, are you serious? You've seen it? What 50 cent section did you find it in? You know, like that's my logic to it. Or when I see, you know, like them doing uh, events now in LA where they get the band back together and they get the girls back together and they they do a big show. Like I just get so like, oh my God, who's going to that? It's crazy that they didn't like personally invite me because it was my my movie. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Um, And I think I I had it with this and I had it with like kind of, I think Rat Race comes to mind in like Mm. a similar romp vibes, similar 50 cent section vibes vibes um and then like jump ahead a few years and movies like like whip it you know like do you, yeah, did you ever yeah. see elliot pages yeah yeah, whip yeah. It? yeah, yeah i loved yeah. whip it so much and again it was just like no one really cared <laughs> nobody <laughs> else in like my little village in Donegal really knew what was yeah, going yeah. on um and i was like guys have we ever tried roller skating we should get <laughs> roller skates and we should start Donegal a roller derby, derby team, team. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah yeah absolutely come on down to the Donegal derby team you know that's <laughs> <laughs> That was the that was my vibe, but <laughs> it just didn't really take. Um, but but yeah, I do feel that that's kind of disappeared now because it just everyone's seen everything or like mm. has access or to everything, has access yeah. or has heard at least of most things. And so you do you do find it's yeah. rare that you'll be like, do you know this? And someone's like, no, I've never heard of that. Like that's yeah. really I can't miss it. You don't really get that. This only I know about this thing because if you can just go on Tumblr and type in the name of it, you'll find a community of people who have like are obsessed a, with created a universe of fan fiction and art around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you yeah. can't really. It's very hard to develop a purely personal relationship with something now. I think because you suddenly have these access points yeah, unless to... you deliberately cut yourself off from searching for it, which is great. Yeah, yeah, which is so good. I would recommend it. Ten yeah. out of ten. Mm-hmm. Like find just the secret thing that you're obsessed with something. and remain. Oh, when I was on holidays in March, we saw Turning Red in in the cinema. Yeah, and I was cut off the internet. So then I came home like three weeks later. And oh, I found, you didn't know. I found there'd been a whole discourse cycle about it. I was oh, like, everyone was so oh, mad I just, about I just it. enjoyed this film. It was really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And just like talked about it with my wife for a week or two. And then it turned Did out. Tell me, saw that it was, all, it was one of the only screenings of Turning Red. Yeah, because it, 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 it didn't get released. What? Yeah, yeah so Dis- it went straight to Disney Plus, except on Disney cruise ships, where it was shown on the cinema there, and I got a premiere on the cruise ship. That is so wild. So we got to see it on a big screen the day it came out. On the sea. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. In the big old Art Deco cinema, it was awesome. That's all awesome. yeah. throughout. It was yeah. brilliant. But yeah. that that film is also about bands and that kind of mad fever that overtakes people around the idea of like a boy yes. band or a band. That whole know? thing of like late nineties, two thousand, early two thousands, boy bands and girl bands having a moment with mm. turning red, with girls five ever, mm. with oh, yeah. um, I feel there's another one which I'm blanking on, but like even those two two is a trend. I think mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. because it's a hugely like I guess in Josie and the Pussycats, it's more about how it's. I often prefer to talk about those movements around bands from the perspective perspective of a person in the crowd. Like my sister uh, was a directioner and brought okay. me to One Direction in the point. Um, and uh, Zane had left. Um, and it was the most incredible environment I'd ever been in. It was mm. so fevered and also so safe. Like it was just like pure. Do you know? Like mm. no one was there to start a row. No one was there to prove a point it was like I wouldn't describe it as apolitical because it was a very queer space there was a lot of kids holding enormous rainbow flags and like queer directioners finding one another but I would say it was a non-confrontational space you know it was a very holistic environment really Mm. centered around this kind of bunch of millionaire lads singing tunes you know (laughs) and this I love stories about teenagers who love bands and who I was not a particularly like a music head at all but it's a world that I think is kind of gorgeous like because nobody loves music as much as people that age no one loves bands as much as people that age I think Turning Red touches on that really Mm. beautifully no one has that energy or strength of fandom as you do when you're 
that age, which I guess is kind of what Juvenilia is about, you know mm. what I mean? But yeah. what Josie and the Pussycats does is that turns it on its head and it tells a story from the perspective of people who are trying to purchase that love and trying to purchase that obsession or trying to falsely generate it, mm. which is kind of compelling, you know? Do you feel like it changed how you approach like bands and how you think about bands, like especially popular bands, like because it got to you so young? Maybe, yeah. yeah. I mean, even thinking about it there, like I've always um, been the kind of person to get really, really deeply obsessed with things and that I get very like, oh my God, I love this thing so much and it's everything to me. Mm-hmm. And so like I completely relate to the crazy du jour people at the beginning of the movie who are so just like, <laughs> oh my God, it's du jour. Like I think I've, I've been that person with like music throughout my um, my teens and with movies and with just like Nigella Lawson, you know, like yeah. people, <laughs> it just happens. Um, Going to see Nigella Lawson in the National Concert Hall was like that was my yeah. like One Direction like that like was weeping like yeah, yeah, just, just yeah. silently crying as she sat on a stage calmly talking to her interviewer I was just like I'm in the presence of the God 100 percent I'm becoming a better cook purely by being here you know God, we like, gotta come back to this one I know we gotta <laughs> yeah, do it yeah, and juvenilia I feel absolutely. like that's abs- that's absolutely a good idea yeah. I think holy oh, shit actually yeah. why did I never that never occurred to me oh, yeah. um but like there's there's nothing like that feeling and Josie and the Pussycat skewers it mm. because it gives it pulls back the curtain and it's like mm. it's that it's like the thing from Devil, Devil Wears Prada which I haven't seen but that very famous I know. <laughs> oh yeah like yeah, yeah. running running blind spots <laughs> running blind spots um Partially why Alan, like Alan's one of Alan's theses behind you and Alia is that like oh, we get to watch things we wouldn't normally watch you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean um but that really famous oft played out scene in it of like that sweater was chosen for you mm. you know you, mm. to you that's a blue sweater but that was decided for you and, and a winter moment like that's kind of what Josie Puscat's about is that that love was chosen for you that like fervid feeling was something that was decided in a boardroom by other people maybe in, and cynically obviously and at the height of the pantomime height that Josie the Puscat's is about is in order to sell things to you and in order to control mm-hmm. you which I don't think is necessarily true always but it it really fu- it really fucking skewers the fans do you know what I mean it really yeah. it's, it does a kind of an injustice to the the people who listen to the music and reduces them to consumers you know people who are switching out Pepsi Max for Diet Coke and mm. the yeah it's I, I don't know I don't know the end of that point but it's it's something that is like it it's it's a uh, it's it's saying something quite clearly yeah. at all times but it it uh it's also kind of sore it's like oh let me like my shit man <laughs> don't, don't make me think about this well, i guess <laughs> the ending of it kind of turns that around because it the point they make at the end is that josie and the Putzcast really were that good yeah they it's were just, mm. yeah they just got pushed up too early and yeah. the jour songs really are class. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. The jour songs are amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big du jour fan yeah. still. But um yeah, you're dead right. Like it's it's that feeling of um when they all take their their ears off and yeah. they're all like, Hey, this song is really good. Yeah, we yeah. love this concert. Like that's such an amazing moment of like, mm-hmm. ah, you know what? That that is all matters. It's the love, you know. Yeah. I think there's this the, the sim the thing that I that I found in terms of comparing what's happening with music now 
to that is that like this phenomenon that happens on TikTok where if a song has a very, very powerful 15 seconds in it, a really good bridge or a really good chorus, which a uh, athletic American teenager can make up a very easy to do sync mm -hmm. dance to and will become wildly popular off the back of like a, a motif in the song. Like the, the new, there's a new Lizzo track out. I'm, I'm sort of, mm, I'm sort of, a, yeah. I'm a Lizzo neutral. Like I, I enjoy Lizzo fine. Um, but there's a bit in the middle of it that is so catchy that it it's it's almost hip, it's literally almost hypnotic mm -hmm. mm. you know in a minute i'm gonna need a yeah, man or woman front me up like i it's it is almost it cassie's like <laughs> 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 like it's really good and it's the same as that and and you know i went and i listened to the whole of the new uh, harry Styles song and i was like oh actually beginning to end this is a sad abba banger and it's objectively musically perfect and it's Ooh. not just the chorus the whole thing is fucking super good but something that was happening again and again in terms of maybe it was just my algorithm there you go speaking in dystopic terms but like showing me was people being like i'm really sick of these songs that just have this really good 15 seconds and the rest of the song sucks i'm like they're designing these songs so that they have these incredible bridges for you yeah for this action for these set of dances for these ads for this brief moment in culture but the song is three minutes. That's a lot longer than that brief little flush of a bridge, you know? Or the whole song is then built around that, the sale of that bridge. Do you know what I mean? I don't know if, yeah. again, I'm not sure what the end point of, of my figuring that out is. Mm. But I, I do think that for all my unabashed fandom of, of loads of things and like, very happy to be a fan of a lot of things and to to be a, a like a an enjoyer you know a mm. member a member of consumer culture um i do think that there is still an excess behind that that is quite cynical that there are music is still designed by some people in the world to shift sales of maybe not the music but of culture of objects of people does that make sense I think so. Mm. Um, what's flashing into my head really specifically is, um, have you seen Encanto? Yeah. The, yeah. Um, there's oh, like, yeah. I, I was watching Encanto and I have a seven-year-old um, brother. So we were both, you know, and he's really into it. And he's just coming at it as like, it's a Disney movie and that's what we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, or a Pixar or whatever. And uh, the there's a song in it that like literally one of the characters does a TikTok dance in the film. We don't talk about Bruno. Um, yeah. Well, that ever. one, but also the, the pressure like a drip, drip, drip. Oh, this one. yeah, yeah. There, and I, I was watching and I was like, oh my God, they're, they're TikTok dancing. That's what they're doing. They're TikTok dancing. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And it's mad to watch this thing that like, I think the, yeah. it's, it's it's totally like it's it knows what it's doing it's obviously like we're gonna make this big on tiktok but it's like that kind of movie that genre of like that disney movie yeah, thing for, they're for considered kids. these classics like yeah. you know they're, they're considered mm. like the the best of the best for kids that you know you're gonna have the best time and to think that even at that age they're still like they're programming in that that TikTokiness or that mm. like you behavior know, that, and like that thing you know because they know that they want to see it they know that that's what all be pulled out of the movie and be put on the internet and be shared um, and it's kind of mad to but then equally some, that. sometimes mm. songs make it out of movies like that and kind of hold a culture by the throat like I have no idea how Let It Go became mm -hmm. what it is yeah that is <laughs> totally. that is a straight up country and western song like that is a bizarre like it's great it's great right but also by pure weird accident it became something other than a kind of a little princess bop you know what i mean it yeah. became 
ubiquitous culturally, right? And that was kind of before this particular culture of TikTok and music happened. Um, but I do fully agree with you with the Encanto thing. I wasn't, I mean, I found the story of Encanto deeply moving and upsetting. Mm. But overall, I was like, oh, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling a bit cynical about this one. Yeah, there's but also, like a, a disconnect or something. Like, a, like, you don't feel that sort of... They're still trying to figure out what, how to end films that don't have love interests, I think. Mm-hmm. It felt like it just kind of ended. Yeah. And so, then we're all, and then the family's okay. But again. that opening <laughs> song's incredible. I've gone back and watched the opening song a few times where they're going through the list. Because basically it's going through the list of all the... Oh yeah, the cast. The Paris is just yeah, fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a really fun bit, but... But again, also, yeah. cru- crucially, children's film and I'm a grown-up. Do you know yes. what I mean? So I your little bro is going <laughs> to yeah. be like, your little bro is like going to be down with it. So yeah. again, I'm like, every so often I'm like, this is not for, this is not for you, man. <laughs> don't be, don't be that guy, you know? Um, But yeah, I think that with Josie and the Pussycats, they were saying something lasting. Like it wasn't, mm. while it was funny and kind of silly and deeply, deeply camp, I also think like oddly ahead of its time because like yeah. even now like with the algorithms we've kind of peeled back that this is what has been happening all along and we still don't really care we're still just going oh yeah yeah we're, we're being sold oh yeah, yeah yeah it's not going to stop me yeah like, I mean that, that kind of thing was subtext back then but it's fully text now we all know about the algorithm now yeah you know? yeah. yeah like it's the, 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 the ghost in the room the elephant mm. in the room you know spooky <laughs> when yeah, you start yeah. thinking about it super spooky spooky mm. yeah, yeah. yeah but that's what I I love that this I love that this movie has I, like I do think it's aged very well I think mm. there are some parts Definitely. of it that it's like okay you know the albino character as, as a joke you know those kinds yeah, of things yeah. they don't really hold up as well but at the time it was considered more of a slapsticky goofy choice to be like ah you know mm-hmm. and that like lisping Lisa like that whole thing again it, it, these things they don't necessarily age the best but like everything else I'm like I'm like this holds up pretty well and yeah. like I think all the goofiness and the silliness and like the messaging and the, the everything I think mm-hmm. it all still is very like does your means fasten right? your seatbelts is an all timer joke it's so good it's so funny yes. and if I could travel back in time I would meet Snoopy again a perfect, perfect. joke no excellent <laughs> yeah uh, just for those two things if alone happy like, and you know clap your hands drops it <laughs> yeah. unbelievable and it's unbelievable because she keeps fucking doing it yeah. like and she's just and she's vibe man she's like <laughs> She's not like Tara Reid is playing it 150% committed to that role. She's yeah. phenomenal. And it's even better that the thing that she's dropping is in fact a McDonald's fries sponge. Yeah, like, exactly. So funny. So silly. Um, we haven't really talked about Josie. Oh, all. yeah. 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 Oh, that's um, the curse of that's do the, it. That's, yeah. that's the curse of the straight man, right? That's yeah. The curse she's of the, in between the two of them. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like. I mean, she's great. And a good wig. Of all the wigs. Wig. Yeah. I love the Again. Wig. Yeah. Tara, I have wig blindness. I never know when something's a wig. I have. So, I have yeah, like. Yeah. I have wig sonar. <laughs> like, I can spot a wig three days away. Like, I know if I'm going to see a wig in two days' time, you know? Um, <laughs> feel it. Oh, it ruins the film for me, man. And it did some work on me at this juncture. But uh, Josie's hair is pretty good, though. Yeah, you know? her flicky, her her flicky, flicky hair. hair. Like, yeah, her I would have killed hair. somebody for that if they was number one, man. You yeah. know? Like, and, like, the whole the, the makeover sequence where they, like, take so them fun. out of the city and bring them, or take them out of Riverdale, bring them to the city. You know, they all get their, like, their flickies and their, like, belly buttons and their everything. It's all there and it's all sparkly and they're like Tara Reid's walking around in this insane like backless top and yeah, then, then yeah it's, it's almost alarming to look at like, that that's not clothes yeah, but yeah. okay yeah and it's just brilliant like it's just it totally sucks you in but I do think Josie um like she I, has a hard she, she has, has a hard a, job because job. Yeah. she's playing the, the she's the protagonist in yeah. a in a bananas ensemble 
totally mm. yeah and she's like, got like the love interest you know she's got to do all the Alan M stuff yeah um, which uh, is for me I, I don't need it you I just know? thought he was like, going to be Archie I was really just yeah. waiting for him to be Archie and yeah. he wasn't you know but also he plays a role that would in another in fact many hundreds of other stories be played by a woman so yeah. he's just he's just the guy they bring mm-hmm. in for like for a kiss that's it yeah they're like that's this well. guy in his flip flops he'll be around his flip flops and I love that Josie like she's you know she's not she's not just like the the kind of lead person who's doing the lead person thing she's like fixing cars she's and mechanic. she's like yeah, yeah, you yeah. know she's the, the little I love at the beginning you get this whole montage of just their lives yeah. in Riverdale where it's like here's what they're up to they go to food drives they fix cars they teach kids how to play instruments they have a really silly fun time together they have an insane amount of kittens available to them oh my <laughs> at God, every the kittens, the kittens. Um, just you know because they're Josie and the Perfect yeah, yeah. but like I, I, I like that like I think sometimes in these movies you can shy away from the, the lead a little bit because they're almost like bland and they don't mm. have that much to do but I think that she totally and her descent her, her brief descent into evil is brilliant so as well. good yeah. like it's, and it's really just her good eyes like they yeah. just because she has such big Disney eyes yeah, that when they yeah, do yeah. get evil it's yeah and her like Irish she just gets so like what who's oh she's who's a, a rock star <laughs> yeah oh my like, god she's oh my are you gonna cry god. Melody like oh my god she's a monster yeah. like it's a and that's a brilliant sequence like she's she sort of sinks into the bath with her headphones on and then she like emerges from the water like as this absolute gee bag and she is <laughs> and you really feel for the other two you know totally. like it's, it's like her black swan moment yeah, you know, she comes yeah. Out yeah. Just <laughs> goes off and like the um i loved rosario dawson um, she's great as, as, yeah like, yeah a, a little person and i continue to but this was one of those things where um she when i saw this was like miles beyond everyone else in it as in i'd just mm. seen her in loads of things mm. and so I, I put her a lot higher up like status wise as an actor I was really like what's rosario dawson doing in this and i think even still when i come back to it i'm like rosario what's dawson? rosario yeah, dawson yeah. she's not really in, in the same kinds of movies as everybody no. else here it's yeah. like rosario dawson and seth green you it know been, like yeah. it would have been much weirder if the original people who auditioned for valerie got the job oh my god i read this Aaliyah, did you know this lisa oh left god, lopez I don't and know. beyonce, beyonce. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, Beyonce was too quiet. Too quiet, and Lisa Lopez Lop- was too intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh! So I like yeah. I do not know the intel on this movie in a big way, and like yeah. I, I sometimes I like to just leave things be, you know. Oh no, we're here. Like we're here. We're here. Flip like, over the lids for yes, you, man. Thank yeah, you. yeah. Wow, oh my. Beyonce. What would this be <laughs> if it was Beyonce? I like, don't think it would have worked. Oh, no, no, no. I don't think. Was Ariana Dawson's tougher? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But she really holds her own in being like, what the fuck is going on? I don't want to be, a, mm. you know, just in the background of this band. But you really feel for her because you're like, yeah, you shouldn't be in the background <laughs> of this band. You're it makes right. perfect. I, I think it's lovely in the way that it treats everybody's emotional experiences of it. Again, it's not a particularly emotional movie, but it does hang on this emotional crux of like the girl band, one of whom is suddenly put front and center and the tensions that emerge from that right and I think that they take that quite seriously and I think that they do a fairly good job of honoring how shit that must have felt so mm. Melody Terry doesn't really give a fuck and is more yeah. less happy to be happy if you're not clap your hands like more <laughs> just happy to fucking be here but I think they do a pretty good job of like looking closely at what that what that would mean to, mm. to Valerie and they, they do that with the sequence with the guy from the village people is that what that was? Is that am I making it? Oh, oh no, Captain like, Neil. Was that what chief. it was? Yeah, that was actually, that was like the baby face. Ah, chief. was that yeah, what yeah. it was? Yeah. yeah, because that was like uh, they did. Why did I, I thought it was the village people because of the yeah headdress. Yeah, 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 there you go. Um, 
that they really put it in context of things that do happen and like mm. it was and you do think for a while that that's how that's gonna go like they they play it they play the emotional parts of an otherwise very silly movie uh at a perfect level I think. Mm, definitely yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah. so what we're really saying is it's a perfect film it's objectively yeah, perfect it really film. is yeah yeah There's nothing wrong with it no <laughs> i couldn't i couldn't fault it yeah, yeah i almost watched it twice yeah oh, i go yeah. back and watch it again yeah, yeah. honestly like it's a delightful I will experience be watching it again today <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's just it's so watchable and i it think is. every time you watch it as well like having having watched it the thousand times that i've seen it every time you see it you find something new in it that you're like oh my god there's a monkey in this. There you is. Know? Yeah. Like, look, that's great. And then you come back later and the monkey's still there when they all appear in their casts and the uh, the monkey's got a cast on too. Very didn't good. notice that the first time I watched I it. I didn't notice that. There yeah. you go. The yeah. monkey's got a cast on. The, cast was very, the casts were very funny. Yeah. The casts were very funny. But I'm also like, I love the notion that they took, because DuJour is like four kind of famous actors and one guy who's yeah. not really like maybe he is kind of I don't know I, I didn't recognize him but I instantly recognize the other tree as being very famous yeah, so, yeah you're like okay yeah I know you guys and then yeah this guy who at the end obviously was the only person who was available yeah, to for, like they got the to get, get for a second date oh. yeah. yeah exactly and then everybody else rocks up in their casts like the, the body doubles bobbles up on screen in the background yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. which again is a great fit it's a very funny bit so good yeah that's I mean it's mwah <laughs> Perfect. Let's leave it there. So, Aoife, where can people find you? Where can people find me? Uh, on the internet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I exist at uh, Aoife Bella on all social channels and I do be gigging. So, I, that's where you can find out about that if I remember to post about it, which I do sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I have a podcast as well, actually. Uh, I don't know her. Is excellent. That, so, you can find that it's, at it's I don't excellent. know her. Great title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sarah, where can we find you? Uh, also on the internet. I'm at Griffsky on Twitter, uh, Sarah Griffsky on Instagram, and oh, Griffsky on um my books are found uh anywhere books are sold uh spare and parts is my first one and other words for smoke is the second al what about you i'm alan underscore mcguire everywhere juvenilia is juvenilia underscore pod on twitter juvenilia pod on instagram we should unify those uh thank you to team mcdonald for our artwork thanks Steve. go check out our patreon we have lots of bonus content up there for you and thank you to cassie and thanks Tales. cassie <laughs> and thank you again to Eva. thanks bye everybody bye, bye. bye.